All right, to begin the show, uh, guests get to dedicate it. Uh, with us back is Nathan Block. Hello, Nathan. Greetings. And we have a new guest. Jim Belden. There you go. I always like, <laughs> I'd rather have you say your name first before. Oh, gotcha. Okay. okay. So, uh, guests that get to dedicate the episode. So, okay. if you guys want to do it together or separate, you guests get to dedicate the episode to anything they like. Want to do it separate? You want to take it, man? No, we can do either one. Wh- whatever you like. Well, I think that I think that this podcast should be dedicated to all of the many people that we have worked with improv-wise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, with scenes from a hat and to certainly everybody that supported us and came out to our shows at like the House of Comedy and, and the Crane Building and stuff like that. Uh, anybody who supports local comedy in in Minnesota, our hats are off to you. Wonderful. Back on the St. Paul Filmcast, I'm the host Nick Palatichuk, and before we get to Jim and Nathan, I want to remind you that I do have a YouTube channel uh, which started uh, this year with Kyle Gothy, um, the writer, film blogger of Almighty Goth Man. Um, it's called Kyle and Nick on Film. You can find it on YouTube. You can get to see what I look like. This video, we, you know, this podcast, you don't get to see what I, I look like, but with that video, you get to see what it looked like. Um, with us is Jim and Nathan. And they have a group project that we'll talk about. And also, we'll talk about little things. So, uh, welcome back, Nathan. And Thank you. hello, Jim. So, hey, thanks for having us. You mentioned in the, in the intro this scenes from a hat thing, and you guys doing an improv. Well, let's talk about that right away. Because what, what is that if people not, in, not know? Or what is that kind of? Is it kind of like whose line is it anyway, or something, a version of that? Yeah, I, I can just lead off, and then yeah. I definitely want. I definitely want Jim to to put his input in because this is really how this entire thing started was our work on scenes from a hat. And basically the whole, the whole scenes from a hat concept actually evolved out of something that I was doing for my film work. Um, I used to have auditions where they were quite lengthy and they were more of like a workshop and oh would, so that's nice yeah it's a little more relaxing for people it then. was way more relaxing for mm-hmm. people and and uh, i'm i'm actually very bummed out because covid really kind of took out my plans to do it this year because normally i do it in march and on april and of course that's when everything just <laughs> went right. to hell in a handbasket yeah. so but at any rate the point of the matter was is that I have this audition process where people would come in and they would do a monologue and then they would do scene work together with a partner with a piece of material that I had chosen and then the final part of the audition was we would do comedy improv and the game that I had chosen was a game that I had brought back with me from my college days of doing comedy improv it's it's a skit called two restaurants where 
you basically have five people in an in a improv scene. Yeah. And two of them represent one restaurant. They're usually sitting at a, like a table or on stools or something. And then two other people are another restaurant. But then the fifth person is the waiter or waitress who kind of hops back and forth between the two scenes and you sort of cut back and forth between them as if you were surfing channels I get it uh, on the TV and it's a super fun exercise and the uh, gentleman who was helping me with uh, he would tape or listen to me he would record all of the all of the material and then we yeah. would give it to the actors and actresses that came and auditioned and he said to me one time he says, we this two restaurants game is really awesome. We should make a TV show out of this. And I said, well, there is a TV show. It's called Whose Line Is It Anyway? Maybe you <laughs> maybe you've heard of it. it. It's pretty popular. And he's like, no, no, we could do this, and it would be a Minnesota version. It would be uh, would be all local comics, and it would be super fun and blah blah blah. And he got super excited about it. And so lo and behold, uh, scenes from a hat was born. It was his brainchild, and. Uh, I became the host of the show, and that was, goodness, almost four years ago now. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly the year we started. I'm fairly certain it was 2017. It was. Okay, thank yeah. you, thank you. So, yeah, it's been around four years or so that that, that, that happened, and uh, Scenes from a Hat has done a lot of stuff. We've performed... At the House of Comedy at the Mall of America, we've performed in other uh, smaller venues around town, and there have been quite a number of, of comics over the years who have filtered in and out. And so there were a bunch of us that really wanted to just kind of branch off and kind of do our own thing. Okay. And so that eventually became what is now Five Swipes Left, which is composed of Myself, uh, Jim Belden, who's here as a part of this podcast, and then three other individuals, uh, Merritt West, Connor McCarthy, and Benjamin Manthe, who we all were a part of, or are a part of Scenes from a Hat at one time or another. Mm -hmm. And we kind of just got together and said, hey, let's just kind of do our own thing, and let's pick up a bunch of live gigs, and let's... Uh, explore long form because scenes from a hat is more short form in other words you kind of come in and you'll do a short scene that's two to four minutes long whereas long form improv is more of a process where you develop a scene and or multiple scenes over the course of a longer period of time it could it could go all the way up to 20 minutes uh if you have a good suggestion and you're really yeah. riffing on it so we just kind of wanted to do that, and well, that really kind of brings us up to where we are now, where we've got just, it's five friends who really, really, really love performing with each other, and we're gearing up for our first show, but uh, I don't want this to be the end of that sort of intro, because uh, that's that's my perspective, but obviously Jim is a different one, so uh, <laughs> would love him to give his take on it all right jim so you've been yeah. part of scenes of a hat yes since it started or did you got in a little bit later right or? around when it started and then i i kind of had a hiatus for a while um and kind of i i dipped in and out but yeah i was a regular performer with the group yeah. um 
How did you find it? Or did you just walk so I, walk into the wrong door? And <laughs> <laughs> I I think I found out about it through Nathan. Okay. Um, we had met just because you know film. We're both filmmakers, and uh, then Nathan suggested that I come out to the show. They were just starting up, um, and he knew me as kind of a a comedian that he thought would be a good fit. And so it's super fun. Um, like he said, scenes from a hat was similar to uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway, the short form, like we're doing games, which was really interesting to me. And so I joined, and it's really fun. But now we're, uh, our new group, Five Swipes Left, we're getting into the the long form, which is really interesting to me as a writer, because uh, we are getting into a lot of like comedy theory, story theory, pattern theory, um because kind of there isn't that structure of a host telling you here's what the game is here's what we're doing next you know you're in a shoe store and your brothers go yeah um we kind of have to figure it out and it's a little longer than like a sketch right longer than like an snl sketch oh yeah no i mean a a good montage in long-form improv could be the length of like an episode of a sitcom with multiple plot lines that kind of go in and out of each other, similar to okay. how a sitcom would. Okay. Um, so that's more yeah. where, where the, that, the family of comedy, where it is more like a sitcom situation comedy kind of thing. Yeah, but no yeah. script, so we kind of have to, you know, make it up. <laughs> Which keeps your brain fresh, doesn't it? Rather oh, yeah. than just rehearsing and waiting for the punchline, you got to right. think on the fly there. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point, and that's something that, that Jim has been really he's been really good for this group in terms of helping us to think outside that box because he's really he's really more of a student of of long form than even some of us are but it's really a different animal than short form because short form you have such a limited time to sort of quote be funny unquote that you kind of <laughs> feel an immediate pressure to kind of go out there and crack a one-liner well it's and, that anticipation from the audience right? yeah exactly right. i, I yeah. want to laugh in about five yeah, seconds yeah it's like if right. we're not laughing in 20 seconds you guys are out of here but but jim's right with long form there's more of of almost like a writing process it, that is occurring it's not only is it improv comedy but it's sort of improv script writing where you start to develop things, and it might not be funny right away. It, you might right. go two or three minutes without going, wah, ha, ha, that was really funny. But then all <laughs> of a sudden, once the thing starts to take on a life of its own, and once the story starts to morph and the characters start to develop, all of a sudden you've got something really, really legitimately funny. And when And when that happens, when everything's firing on all cylinders... It's really funny. It's not just, oh, ha-ha, that was a cute one-liner they came up with. Now you've got a real legitimate funny scene. And that was sort of a weird pattern for me to break. And and Jim's actually really helped me do that because I was the host of Scenes from a Hat for so long. And the improv that I did in my college days was all short form. And not that there's anything wrong with short form. Short form's awesome. And whose line is it anyway would not be around if it wouldn't be for how popular short form is. But long form is just such a different beast and it's such a different mindset. I mean, you really, 
if you approach long form with a short form mentality, it's just not going to develop as well. Mm-hmm. And and I've really appreciated, it was really weird coming from scenes from a hat and sort of not being in that host role because I've done it for so long. And, and Jim was like, well, here we're all the host yeah. and we all right. wipe each other's scenes and we all cut each other's stuff. And that... Yeah. And now that I've got that in my head, I think it, I've been adapting better to long form than I thought I would. So it's just a whole different process. And it's so much fun to watch it develop, whether you're a part of it or just watching a, a couple of us rehearse it. it. It's really an incredible process to watch if it, if it works. I want to clarify Thank something. Um, so a wipe is how you end a scene in long form. Someone runs across the stage. So when he says that we wipe each other, that's what he means. Yeah. 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 Not like, <laughs> like literally. Right. I think it, like from a, somebody who's been an, like me, like an outsider who just watches comedy and just mm-hmm. you know, not really participating. I think it, I can best summarize like a long form, almost like a Carl Reiner film. That's like a long form comedy mm-hmm. where you're not going to get it instantaneously laugh out loud. Right. But like a Mel Brooks, that's short form where it's you better laugh right now. Absolutely, and they they need, yeah, Yeah. like, even, like, Marx Brothers, like, they time their stuff. I mean, they're sitting in the test room. It's like, yeah, if if they're not smiling or laughing every five seconds, then we've failed. And that's, you know, I mean, we want people to laugh as much as we can make them. Well, like, something uh, like, like we mentioned (laughs) before, like, Summer Rental or The Jerk Mm -hmm. with Carl Reiner. That's not going to, you're not going to split a gut laughing at that right away. It's going to be that slow development. Yeah. Yeah. A good analogy, I think, is um, something like Seinfeld, right? You've got characters that come in, they've got clear characteristics, they've got clear desires. um, And then the best moment of every episode of Seinfeld is when they start calling back to stuff or when things converge at the end of the episode. Or it all comes together. It's always like a flip. Yeah, or they they start a pattern and then they flip it, right? Yeah. What if we all like American football? What if one guy likes Canadian football? Right, and, yeah, and what is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or you're dating a masseuse and she just, you know, wants to make out with you, but you really want the back row. Right, and you're exactly. Not getting, yeah, let's flip it on it. Yeah, that kind totally. of. Totally. Yeah. Is it, is writing something, comedy, is it something like a spark or is it something like you're always doing? Man. Um, it's like, it's almost like something you're always on the job. I, I definitely, I observe stuff. I definitely, um, I prefer improv to stand-up, but I do dabble in stand-up while I'm in the shower. Um, and uh, <laughs> That's how everybody starts, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, my mind wanders, and I'm like, I'm kind of funny, you know? I'm, like, thinking of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the stuff you observe on a day-to-day basis absolutely goes in. But I think it's a it's a misconception that, like, I've heard a lot of people say, like, oh, some people are just, like, naturally funny and, like, some people, uh, you know, some comedy is, like, some people's taste. And, like, all of that is true. But I think something that a lot of people don't realize is that there is theory and structure and there's a formula to comedy um, where you do need kind of a spark. But once you have it, I mean, you can stretch that out using those theories. And I, the, the perception that you're comedy, so you have to torture yourself to make a joke. Yeah. <laughs> you got to live this torturous, grueling life. But some mm-hmm. things just kind of yeah. materialize. Yeah, well, exactly. yeah, well, yeah. Jim, Jim's right because 
I remember reading a an interview with one of the writers of the sitcom Cheers. And of course the name of, of the person escapes me now, but he was was giving an interview and he said the comedy comes from the characters. It doesn't Always, come yeah. from the writing. It comes from the characters. And if you develop good characters and you put them together, yeah. the comedy will naturally come out of that. And, and that's that's what's great about long form, yeah, right? Is absolutely. that we're not just trying to make one-liners. We're trying to develop characters. And then once we know who the characters are, we're like, this could be funny. And then we make jokes. And yeah. then it like the audience is like, okay, now this is really something. Well, something like the Marsh Brothers, which I'm a huge fan of, mm -hmm. and you keep doing short form, eventually you're putting yourself in a corner. Totally. Where if you start changing long form, people are not going to have the patience. So like, well, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Where also, and then it becomes stale. We've seen this before. We've seen it a thousand times. It's right. just with something else new. But with long form, I think you're not really putting yourself in a corner. You can actually branch off a little more freedom, right. less restriction with short form. Make me laugh, and if not, you're out. Yeah, right. yeah. The sky is really the limit with long form. I mean, you yeah. can really, you can really take it and push it as far as far as you can, as long as you haven't sort of hit your own. Either, either your own mental capacity, and what I mean by that is not necessarily your ability to think farther out, but just eventually a scene just you you're, you've just exhausted it, and and you need to take a break and either start something over or or just end the scene. You know, you're right. done. You've heightened <laughs> yeah. it as much as it can yeah. be heightened, and and you're done. But but really, long form is really amazing for just how far it can go and i think we're even just as uh this this five sum that we are here with exploring all of the all of the different aspects of long form we're just sort of beginning to crack the surface of it and sometimes there's only two or three of us that do a practice and then sometimes we've got a, a practice where all of a sudden all five of us are on stage. Mm -hmm. And then we've got something that's really crazy. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of really amazing places that it can go. Um, a couple of months ago, Fred Wheeler passed away. And um, yep. the, the, the Michael McKeon, who him and his Nola and I think uh, Christopher Guest, they wrote Best in Show. Yeah. And he said... Yeah. And he put on Twitter, we spent years writing it, making it funny. And then all we did was ask Fred Wheeler to come in without any lines, and he stole the entire movie from us. Yeah. Oh, he was a genius. <laughs> no, really. He's an inspiration. Yeah. I mean, and Best in Show and is it's an not like Michael too. Yeah, it's not like he's yeah. upset about it, but he's like, right. that's how comedy works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the really interesting thing to me about Best in Show is that the script for that, that's a feature film. The script is less than 30 pages long. Yep. Because... Yeah. A lot of it was improvised. And they spent I, I a lot of years right viewing the right. characters, what match. Exactly. The yeah, yeah, it's like they had the sequence of events planned out. They had the characters down. But then, I mean, every actor in that is a comic genius. Seriously. Well, yeah, yeah and that and that was basically that their sort of troupe that right. they developed for all, almost all their movies. Waiting for Guffman was the same way. A Mighty Wind was the same way. Yeah, they weren't strangers to the other. And, and yeah, right. so yeah. so basically they're, they're almost like a comedy improv troupe that mm -hmm. gets up and does an, a long-form improv sketch as a 90-minute feature. Right. Because they all knew each other. They, they all were in the same... It was all the same cast in all the movies. And, and yeah, they just developed new characters. 
And, I, and then I, you know, I like about it because we're off trip, but I, how Eugene Levy for all these yeah. years, he's almost like a sponge. Like he doesn't send out the joke. He takes it in right, and he throws it right back at you. He's almost like an absorbent person that you can just show, show, show right at him. Oh, yeah. And he sits there and waits for his time to be an absorbent and then shoots it right back. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just want to bring it up because there's different levels of variety comedy. Like mm-hmm. Jim Carrey's always on. Oh, yeah. He's always on. And then mm-hmm. Eugene Levy doesn't look... I mean, he's just sitting there waiting for his right. turn. So yeah, different... he's always on, but it's it's more internal. He's waiting, you know? <laughs> and then yeah. when it comes, it's brilliant. Yeah, and then almost like, like Fred Willard or Andy Kaufman, I'm going to laugh at you guys, and hopefully you enjoy it. But I'm trying to make myself laugh first. Right. Yeah. 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 Is that something... I mean, we're all different schools, but that's... Yeah. If it doesn't make you laugh, then why are you... Yeah, it has to make you laugh totally. first, too. Yeah. I mean, any art is like, you know... Obviously, it's good to know your audience, but at the same time, you know, pandering is not going to create good art, right? You need to no. please yourself first and then right. think, okay, well, I think this is funny. That's the crucial first step. And then you can think, okay, well, who else will think this is funny? And that's how you find your audience, right? Yeah. It's not like I'm going to set out to write something that, you know, high schoolers are going to think is funny. And then I'm like, trying to be all hip like that's just not going to be funny it's not going to be natural right yeah well like people think if you're funny in the living room that you can do stand-up and that's a different mm-hmm. whole different act I mean, oh yeah i think uh, well like craig ferguson he could do he doesn't even have to say a joke he'd just be up there and say mm-hmm. something but with manners and timings and just with a different posture he can get a joke out of it mm-hmm. and that's just another avenue of how can it be funny right yeah yeah I think that all it's so difficult to you know be funny and do comedy and there are so many different uh philosophies about it whether it's stand up whether it's writing a comedy movie yeah. whether it's doing improv whether it's doing slapstick whether it's doing miming or whatever right. and and I think that really you have to just find what your passionate about if you for instance if, if I tried to do stand-up and I mean I love watching stand-up and yeah. and some of these guys yeah. that that are out there Sebastian Maniscalco and John Mulaney I, I mean I just I can't I can't take my eyes off them they're so amazing at what they do yes but my particular passion is not stand-up and I mean yeah would it be fun to do sure but I don't think I'd be particularly good at it so <laughs> I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother to do that. What I have always loved for, you know, going on 20 years now is I've loved doing improv, and I ended up getting getting away from it. I did it a lot in college, and then I got away from it after I graduated. But that's improv is what I really really love to do. And when I first discovered whose line is it anyway in the mid 90s on Comedy Central back when that was a thing, you know, before we had Netflix and we had like 10,000 yeah. comedy specials at our fingertips for twelve ninety nine a month. I, I mean, when I found Whose Line Is It Anyway, I thought it was the funniest thing that I had ever seen in my life. 
and I, I would have people over. I'm like, you got to watch this stuff. They don't have a script. They get a suggestion, <laughs> and they make it hilarious. And, and you know, some people would think, oh, yeah, that was funny. And some people like, Nathan, this is not funny at all. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is great. It and, is kind of a challenge. I, oh. you, kind of, you have to accept the challenge of, okay, here's here's something. Make, make it funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I've just, I've had this, this passion for improv for... Mm-hmm many many years now and it's just it's been so great not only to have scenes from a hat but now have this new opportunity with other guys that also have this passion for the art and and we get to perform and and people come and watch and that's a real gift and yeah to be able to do that and i anybody who supports local comedy or local anything really local film local music i mean you really you really keep people's dreams alive when you show up for this and when you comment on posts and when you bother to watch videos that get posted because, yeah, are, are the chances of us winding up on a Netflix special uh, pretty astronomical? Obviously. But at least we can do what we can locally to enjoy what we do and bring a little right. bit of joy to you. And if you take time out of your day or your week or whatever, your night to come and watch or watch a video or something, that means a lot to not only us, but anybody else that would be a part of it. So I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Well, before we move on, um, how can people find your uh, the, your troop? The, the five swipes left how can people find you guys well and actually i wanted to just <laughs> quickly clarify because we don't want to get into a mindset of we think everybody knows what we're talking about okay uh, so five swipes left is uh it's based on the tinder app uh because now swipe is a part of our culture uh it's a terminology now that is part of popular culture when you're looking at a dating app and you like you like the picture that you see, either swipe right or swipe left, and yeah. swipe left is goodbye. I'm not right. going to date you. So, so five swipes left is <laughs> is bears reference to that, mm-hmm. right. and it's it's five because obviously there are five of us: me, Belden, Benjamin, uh, Connor, and Merritt. And uh, left is obviously the humor is implicit right. there. Yeah, because right means no. No, right means right, yes. No, right so, means yes. I mean, right left means is yes. no. We're, we went with the classic improv group, self-deprecating, <laughs> uh, you know. They come in and, you know, maybe we set the expectations low and then they see how handsome we are uh, when they come to the show. You know, I mean. I never thought about it that way. I like that. And then we really knock their socks off. We haven't even started yet. Yeah, if you, if you when I went to Acme Comedy Club and I saw an attractive person on stage, like, Man, they're not gonna be funny, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But they don't have so to look, be funny. Yeah, <laughs> like their life is already set. But as for, and then if you're attractive and funny, it's like, well, why are you stealing everything? <laughs> <laughs> but as as for finding us, we we haven't done a whole lot yet. So really, we we've, we've got the uh, obligatory uh, Facebook page. Yeah. And okay, so the people can find you on that. Yep. Yeah, so people can find us on Facebook. And eventually, we'll put, the, we'll put the link on there, Meta, so that people can find Sweet. it. Sweet. You know, yep. Nathan, uh, are there any opportunities coming up for people to support our group? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love how you did that. Yeah, actually, we are we are gearing up for our very first live performance, and I know that that everybody's like live performance during a pandemic. 
but we we have a beautiful outdoor venue, mm-hmm. and it's got plenty of room to uh, keep your space between uh, everybody. Okay. It's an outdoor amphitheater in Burnsville, um, in Civic Center Park. Uh, so we're going to be playing at the Burnsville Amphitheater there on August first. And we're going to start at 7 o'clock. That's a Saturday. Saturday, August 1st, 7 o'clock. It is 100% completely free. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have an a opening act that is actually our improv instructor, Ash Webb, who is doing or has done stuff with uh, Upright Citizens Brigade in L.A. No, really? Uh, she yeah. is going to be performing with, with uh, a gentleman and they're going to do an opening, uh, an opening bit, an opening Wonderful. sketch for us, and then we're going to come out and do our thing. And mm-hmm. again, it's free. It's going to be fun. It's going to be outdoors. We're going to make it as safe as we can. Yep. Uh, bring a mask if you, uh, if that, if you need that for your personal safety, please uh, yeah, do that. Yeah, we would prefer masks for the audience just so that everyone feels yeah. comfortable. But the outdoor location should be, uh, you know. Yeah. Safer. Well, people will be six feet apart as they sit, and there will be the airflow of the outdoors. I, I do like the challenge of outdoor, uh, outdoors, mm-hmm. and that you're going to fight the crickets. <laughs> you're literally going to get fight. <laughs> and we will we will have a, a PA system there. So uh, okay. Uh, it so will, you draw it out there. <laughs> yeah. So you'll be able to hear. You'll be able to hear us uh, no matter where you sit, so you can sit as far away as you want. You should still right. have a keep twelve a feet. Pretty you know, pretty good. Feet, uh, yeah. Pretty good spot. So you know you're gonna you know you're gonna be good if you can tell the people wearing masks are laughing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's a good that If they're wearing a mask right. and you can tell you're I can tell you're still yeah. you're laughing. It's yeah. not enough to make them smile. We need to see them <laughs> holding their stomachs, and that's how we know. <laughs> we need to see the mass moving in and out at a, at a right. rapid rate. Right. So yeah, that, uh, yeah. No, but uh, check us out on Facebook. Five swipes left. Five is a n- is a number, so it's the number five, and then swipes is left. It? And yeah, <laughs> we'll, put the, we'll put the link. You up did there. the logo. How do you not know that? No, I know. Actually, yeah, Jim uh, Jim Belden designed our very amazing logo, and I just love <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. No, I love it. I'm serious. I'm I love it because I just gave you some really like simple, basic. Stuff. I'm like, well, this right. is what I think, and then he came up with this really cool thing, and and I and I really like it. And then Connor McCarthy did our our little um, video is he, that's going to be the posted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. he is. Okay. But he's also a, a brilliant film editor. Yes. Um, and so he was able to create some promotional stuff for us as well. Yeah. So there's yeah there's a lot of a, a lot of different talents by all the members of this group are going yeah. into this thing and. Yeah, it's just going to be fun to showcase them, and 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 really, we we hope you show up. And obviously, if if your sense of personal safety uh, does not allow you to come out, th- no pressure that we will be around again, mm-hmm. and certainly we'll have stuff uh, posted on YouTube or something eventually. But but for right now, uh, stay safe. And if you if you feel comfortable coming out to see us, we would love to see you. And if not, there will be another time. Uh, before oh, yeah. we go to break, uh, just name it again, the location. Uh, the Burnsville Amphitheater at Civic Center Park. I believe the address is 100 Civic Center Drive in Burnsville. But if you put in Burnsville Amphitheater into Google Maps, it comes okay. right up. It's very yeah. easy to find. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we're back with uh, two of the five 
Well, hello everyone. I am Billy Dees from the self-titled Billy Dees Podcast. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and many more of the best podcast networks. Join me for my commentary and interviews. Follow me on Twitter, really easy to find, at Billy Dees. I am Billy Dees. I'd love to have you listen in. with uh nathan and jim um with the the whole five swipes left and everything um jim yeah when did you discover you were funny oh boy (laughs) i can tell you when i discovered jim was funny and then you can think about that (laughs) no i love this story i love telling this story because so uh as if you remember uh our podcast, I was telling you that I... When you're previously on. Yeah, yeah that uh, I got my start in the 48-hour film project. Yep. And so I've been doing that for a long time. Well, there was one year where uh, Jim was a part of that, too, and we ended up in the same screening group. Because you get randomly selected. Because, right. because yeah, yep, get you get split up you get random. I didn't know Jim. Know I, I hadn't met him. I didn't know who he was. And so, it's not like high school gym class. Right. <laughs> right. So I we ended up in the same uh, screening group where both of our films were being screened together. And I'm not really a fan of films that have a lot of drug humor in them because I, I don't do drugs. I don't find them particularly funny. And so, you know, the Cheech and Chong movies and stuff like that just don't really appeal to me. Well, Jim had made this film about four guys selling a bag of weed and they were constantly like selling it back and forth to each other and they and they were there were there was this weird loop of money and that they were getting rich and they all thought they were making a profit because they were all selling it for you know a little (laughs) bit higher and so the price was just skyrocketing but they all thought that they individually were making a profit no and you, you know potheads they love it symmetrical because if they think it's odd number somebody's getting ripped off here or so- <laughs> and, and i just i thought the film was so funny and so clever and so at the end of the at the end of the uh screening what they normally do is they pull all the filmmakers on stage yeah. and then the audience can do a q a so there so jim's up there and i'm up there and so after the q a i walked up to jim and i said look that movie was really funny and I really enjoyed it, and I just wanted to let you know. And he said, "He said thanks, wow." And and so we just started talking, and we swapped contact information. And then when the whole scenes from a hat thing ended up coming up, uh, he was one of the first people I thought of. I'm like, Jim has got to be a part Wonderful. of this group. And so, well, here we are. <laughs> thanks, man. I, I want to clarify too. So Nathan's like. I don't do drugs, so I I also don't do drugs. Right? Well, just, no, that, that wasn't the inference. I just no, I wanted don't. to give some context. To... I just don't know if my grandmother's going to listen, Nathan. Um, so, mm. no, but, uh, yeah. I, Jim, that why was do you need all that oregano? <laughs> yeah, what is that? No, but, um, 
Yeah, that film is really fun. I think to answer your question, Nick. So uh, <laughs> the original question. The original question. I mean, I've kind of had a lot of interests that I've kind of just gone back and forth between over the years. When I was in middle school, yeah. is probably when I first felt truly like I was a class clown. Um, I transferred schools a few times, so like I had to start over from scratch, like no friends, and I found you know, the quickest way to get people to like you was to like crack jokes, right? And yeah. to be silly. And so um, it kind of became a a mechanism that I needed to survive, right? Yeah. And I just remember in middle school, I would write these stories. And of course, you know, we were in middle school. I'm not going to pretend like they were anything more than just, you know, talking about poop and like whatever other crass stuff was funny at the time. You know, we had just... Uh, we had been learning new things about human anatomy that we applied in our humor, you know, stuff like that. And so um, I would read it on the bus and people would laugh and think it was funny. But then, um, I don't know, the interesting thing to me is I've done all these yeah. things through the years. So like I... But it never went away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like I've, I've worked on films. I've been a writer. Um, I've acted. Writing and acting are like my two, you know, big things that I really love. But I also like, I did the math team when I was in middle school. And I, uh, man, you know, I, I edit films. Like, I've done a wide variety of stuff. And the cool thing about doing improv is I'm realizing it's the convergence of all of that stuff. I get to be funny, I get to be analytical. Um, you know, I get to be creative and I get to perform. And those are kind of like things that I have loved separately for my whole life. Yeah. And now I'm realizing that when you learn improv, you're better at all that stuff. So I'm better at communicating uh, in real life. Right. And I'm better at writing and I'm better at acting, um, directing. You know, I'm just improv makes me better at all that stuff, which is really cool it feels like a lot of stuff is clicking into place for me now yeah. that i'm learning so much about improv and doing it i think with uh, it almost seems like a single like in baseball when you do improv mm -hmm. like that's a good hit that's a good hit. instead of You're looking right. for the big gigantic home run right and just and looking then, for the big monster but you're getting it you're getting it and getting right. it and, it's, and, then you, yeah. and once you got a few singles you start getting rbis Right, which right. is like a laugh, I guess. A yeah. big laugh, you know? You build your way up to it, right? Or the other guy barks and you can laugh at him. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. I, I yeah. think though I, I think though that you've got a you've got a clever point though, is that I think some comics when they approach improv, they think they've gotta go out there and just crack home runs. They yep. they've gotta go out there and just bust a bunch of one liners and and that's not really what improv, what makes improv comedy super funny. Now, if you're playing a game like, like World's Worst, or to, to put yeah. it in more uh, terms that people are familiar with, uh, the game Scenes from a Hat, on whose line is it anyway? Where it's basically just one person, and that's not really improv. I mean, right. that's it's, it's jokes sort of is, yeah. but things it, you won't tell your girlfriend. It, yeah, right. it, it's yeah. really just, it's really just <laughs> kind of. It's it's like short attention span stand up comedy. It's not really improv comedy. <laughs> what? I, so, but yeah, it really improv comedy comes from the situation and the characters and some of the things we've already right. discussed. It's not about 
coming up with absolutely the funniest thing you've ever heard of in 30 seconds because right. that's a monumental right. project and and you're probably going to fail if you approach right. it from that because the guys on whose line they make it look easy right the, yeah and then all of us on scenes for... from a hat think it's easy <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. um and it's not i mean like colin mockery is a genius obviously oh, yeah. but um yeah, that's the thing about long form. It's not easy. I think there's a lot more moving pieces, actually. I think it's harder in a lot of ways. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you can organically find the humor, which to me, I mean, that's why I prefer narrative and long form comedy over doing stand up. Because yeah. stand up, you're just looking for the joke. Whereas. You like know. Princess Bride is funny. Right. But you you, yeah. you get to know the characters. And that's yeah. that's why Princess Bride is so funny. And I mean it does have great lines, obviously, too, right? One liners, um, but like the But it's like it's long for me. It's not yeah, gonna you're not right. it's not like screwball like right. what's up and doc you, or something. You build your way up, totally. Yeah. And people I don't think have a nostalgia feeling for how funny it is. They have a nostalgia for how good it is. Right. But it's a, it's supposed to be a comedy. And it's very funny. But yeah, people remember the characters, what they meant to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's stuck with people. I mean, that's got to be one of the most popular movies among my generation. And it's like... I, I think Princess Bride is probably, next to Monty Python and the Holy Grail, is the most quotable movie of all time. It, where, Especially for people our age. Yeah. Well, I, I would say almost anybody. Because it's like, if you're going to pull movie quotes out of the air... Uh, a lot of a lot of people will go to Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but I I would say equally, it's Princess Bride. Yeah. Where it's like how how many how many could you come up with right now? I, I could probably I think bet collectively we could come up with thirty. <laughs> right. Thirty <laughs> quotes. Oh, totally. Yeah. And and how how many other movies can you really do that with? Right. Especially that at the outside of comedy because comedy is it's right. so the fun the punchlines the right yeah. exactly yeah. yeah. Is satire something that's in your radio, you know, oh, in your man. radar, or that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, satire is great. I find it to be. But it's another one where you paint yourself in a corner because that's right. what people expect you. Okay. Yeah, I mean, one thing for me about satire, I personally don't like political humor too much. Um, that's what I first think of when I hear satire is the the political satire. Obviously, that's not the only form of satire, but um, well, like the Zucker brothers. And, yeah, I think yeah. there's a lot of potential in satire because well, that's you know, what the airplane is an entire satire right, on the disaster yeah, movies and right, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kind of like you're able to kind of make fun of something while also you know discovering your own thing, and even if it's something you don't like. Yeah, um, well, I was regarded like being a, like angry. It's like a know? base. Yeah, totally. And then let's do something from there. I think satire is necessary. I think this is why comedy. I mean, in society, is like important, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you can't get rid of it in a society. You need it, and satire is is crucial um, to a functioning society. It really is. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. You got to make fun of yourself too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're not called Five Swipes Right. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. You gotta <laughs> tease yourself a bit. I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and yeah, the days of the Andrew Dice Clay comedians, uh, hopefully, is gone. 
<laughs> they're always going to exist, but I mean, the popularity is probably waning. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I, I think that it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more enjoyable to watch somebody like John Mulaney than right. somebody like I, Dice. Or... I was going to say John Mulaney because he's wholesome and he's one of the most popular right now. And he's a genius, right? He, he doesn't is. need totally. to be crass. Yeah. And well, and Maniscalco is, is that way to a degree mm-hmm. in that, it, you know, he'll, he'll make fun of other people, but then he'll make fun of himself too because... Mm-hmm. Of how upset he gets about it. So right. he, he's able to find kind of a neat blend between the two. Yeah. So do you guys rehearse? Or uh, you just go? or It's more... Constant <laughs> contact? I think of it less as rehearsal and more as practice, practice right? Yep. I mean, I've told people, I have improv practice. And then they like, they like, you know, investigate with me. And they're like, it's not improv then, right? And it's like, ha, no. Ha, ha. If I mean, you go out... Say you were on a basketball team, right? You can, you know, draw plays and you can practice your skills. But when you get onto the court, you're not, it's not rehearsed. It's not like I know what I need to do. I know what my cue is when I need to be on the stage, right? Like that's, um, that's a better analogy to me as it's, we're practicing, we're beefing up our skills. We're building that chemistry with each other. Um, and you learn to read each other too, just the more time you spend together. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what yeah. a lot of the comedies we talk, mentioned before, like Airplane and right. uh, Monty Python and yeah. Uh, well, and like they, all of those, strangers. all of those uh, movies that we were talking about, like Best in Show, and like they have that same ensemble. Christopher Guest movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like they have a similar acting ensemble because they all know each other. They vibe with each other, right? And that's that's key. You got to know how to read people um so that you can do this thing with no script and just anticipate what's going to happen kind (laughs) of did jamie lee curtis marry him because he's funny or (laughs) or just must be or (laughs) it must well sometimes you marry people and you don't think they're funny but other people do but oh my god (laughs) I mean, the, I oh, I I couldn't date someone that doesn't think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it. Don't recommend it. Okay, <laughs> maybe people that yeah. you know don't yeah. constantly crack jokes could get away with it, but for me, it's like, how how could you like me if you don't think I'm funny? That's just uh, <laughs> you can stand me for ten seconds. I think um, I think going back to what you were saying about about practice, you know, you can. Yes, when when you practice improv, yeah, it's it sort of seems like you're rehearsing, and it's, it sounds like an oxymoron. It, it, yeah, it yeah. does, but it really isn't because what you're doing is you're just sharpening your craft and the ability right. to take the tools that you've been given and things like recognizing pattern logic and recognizing what we call the game of the scene or establishing characters and giving each other. Uh, space to work with and giving material that we can build off of that's not something that that you can do without without practice right it's like anything else you you can't go on to the basketball court for the first time and expect to make a layup or a three-point shot all of this needs to be practiced and it's the same thing with with improv right all of all of like jim said earlier improv is very very structured Comedy, it doesn't seem that it is, but it right. is. And all of these techniques 
need to be learned and practiced and and rehearsed so that when you're on stage, you can call those up and you can actually make something that's funny. Nothing that we have ever done in practice has ever come back in a live show because the suggestions are different and the situation is different. And and just when when you practice and you have a good scene, that moment's gone. I mean, that magic that you had, it's almost like a jazz performance. It, it, it'll never happen I like again. That, yeah, I like totally. Um, it is. It, we, yeah. And we just, and in a case in point, the rehearsal that we just had a couple of nights ago, um, I was watching the, the guys perform, and it was Jim and Merritt and um, Connor. Connor, thank you. Gosh. It was Jim Merritt and Connor. We and, got too many people to keep track of. <laughs> yeah, be should have been three swipes left. <laughs> uh, but uh, I suggested th- they wanted a one-word suggestion for a three-person scene, and I said chipmunk. Now I said chipmunk singular with no capital C. Okay, but what's the first thing that Connor does? Elvin. He goes Elvin. <laughs> And from there, <laughs> from there, the whole thing right. just went oh, out of goodness. control, and it was absolutely one of the most glorious things I have ever seen. <laughs> and you know, and it'll never happen again. I was the only one that yeah. got to see the performance. They were the only ones that got to do the performance. It will never be duplicated ever again. Yeah. But it was absolutely right. genius, funny, and but there was there was things that were learned. By not only me sitting in the audience, you know, the audience in quotation marks, watching the performance, but also from them being right. able now to, okay, well, hey, this worked when we did this. Now we can call this up again, this pattern of how we got from X to Z. And and that's that's how improv works. That, so when we right. say practice, and I love that Jim calls it practice and not rehearsal because that's exactly what it is. When you rehearse right. a play, like, you've got the lines, you've got the script. When you practice right. improv, there is no script, there never is. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, I totally learned from from doing that and I wish that we had recorded it. <laughs> the camera was out of battery. It's good to record yourself and watch yourself um, just so that you can think like, okay, that was weird what I just did. Or they really needed to record yeah. the writing's room in that Sid Caesar show. I mean, yeah. when they had, like, Mel and Carl Reiner and everything. I think oh, yeah. the writing room was far more funny than Gotta the be. show. <laughs> Gotta be. Gotta be. Yeah. Well, and even, even like, the we've been referring to ASCAT improv, which is mm-hmm. UCB's thing. And they've only recorded it a handful of times. But yeah. it's been going on for nine years. So mm-hmm. just imagine how much amazing material it is out there and will never be seen again. Because it was that night, that audience, that suggestion, that cast, that situation that will never, ever be seen again. And that's right. what's really cool about improv is you can have a great scene and you also have the joy of knowing that you created something truly magical right. in that moment that you will never, ever, ever have again. That the moment was there, and and it's it's gone. And it's yeah, if you recorded it, great. But e- even even watching something that's been pre-recorded, mm-hmm. it still doesn't match to being there. You, you know, the, if if we had been recording the practice where they did the chipmunk uh, routine. 
Mm-hmm. Routine is the wrong word. Where, where they did the chipmunk scene, where yeah. the scene that evolved from my suggestion of the word chipmunk, it, it still wouldn't be as amazing as if somebody had been sitting next to me enjoying watching the creation of that going on. It was truly a magical thing, and yeah, that's that's really what's so cool about improv is what happens on the spot like that it harnesses uh, a kind of joke that it seems like you could never put into a performance and it's the inside joke yeah right if you've got an inside joke with your friends that's funny to you right yes and to no one else and it's the same way with improv right oh god i do it to myself i have i've I've enjoyed i've had inside jokes to myself that i do to other people like what are you talking about i look at stuff and i'm like that's funny who can i (laughs) no one else multiple inside jokes i say right and people are like what are you talking about no that's (laughs) yeah and so with improv it's like you know you you work the audience and you develop like those running gags and those things that you know that they like it's personal to the audience every time. And by the end of it, it starts to feel like you're telling inside jokes. I mean, the callback gags that you can do in improv, it, that's, that's what it feels like. Yeah. It feels personal, and that's a height of comedy that you, you can't really reach if you're making a film or something. No, I completely agree. It, it must be tough to make a comedy film because you're not supposed mm-hmm. to laugh. You know, you can't, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's, oh cut! can't let what's comedy you know you can't do it yeah well and that's that's why that's why i have a tendency at least in my own personal filmmaking to steer towards drama because it's so hard to be funny and what you think is funny isn't necessarily what other people are going to think is funny you know jim and i worked on a, a film that i'm extremely proud of called kung fu canoe where we made a minnesota martial arts comedy I'm I'm super proud of it. In a canoe? Uh, there was a canoe. There, there was a canoe. canoe? That, okay, it wasn't like citizen. There's no cane that citizen cane. There, no. <laughs> there was, there was uh, a canoe. Right. It did not play a central role in the film, but it was there. And <laughs> But, you know, over the years, I've showed it to various people, and some people have loved it, and some people have not loved it. And it's just, <laughs> it's really, comedy is very, very, very difficult to do. It, it just oh, yeah. is. And... I don't think people really appreciate how difficult it is to be funny. And if you doubt it, hey, at the, ne- the next party you're at, try and be funny. Get up there and uh, in front of everybody and say, hey, I'm going to be funny. And see how many people laugh. Because when somebody tries to be funny, the very mm-hmm. first thing that everybody tries to do is go, that wasn't funny. <laughs> you know, you always try and... and you always end up sort of taking the opposite approach, which is a really weird thing that we all do as human beings. Instead of supporting, we have a tendency to try to pick yeah. pick apart what somebody's saying, whether it's a political argument, whether it's uh, a recollection of something or an experience or, or a comedy performance. It's just sort of our destructive nature of, as human beings. Yeah. But, but comedy is it's so difficult that... When when you have an opportunity to to create something with other people, and it it like you said it becomes so personal, that's where you get true reward out of it. Whether or yep. not it necessarily was the funniest thing everybody saw in their life, well, mm-hmm. that's going to be subjective. You don't have any control over that. Right. But if you know if you know that you got up there and you gave it your best effort and you were proud of what you did and, and you were honest about it because it's it's very easy to be dishonest in comedy you know i I could get up and tell a bunch of drug jokes 
And it would be dishonest for me because I don't think drugs are funny. So why really? should I joke about that? Sure. Yeah. You, you know, so it, it, the more personal that you get, the more honest you are about comedy. Right. Then it becomes something truly rewarding and, and personally meaningful for you, at least in, in my opinion. Well, and the audience is your greatest asset. That's why I think a comedy film is harder because... Yes. When I'm making a comedy film, everyone making it is laughing. But then I'll show it to someone and they'll be like stone-faced the whole time. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, <laughs> what did I do wrong? But then in in improv, it's like you can hear when they laugh and you can be like, oh, they think that's funny. I'll do that again, right? And you can like riff on stuff that you know they think is funny. Um and also, I mean, it just, it gives you energy, you know? When the audience laughs, oh my goodness. It's a war. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's why Nathan and I don't do drugs. We don't need them. <laughs> we get the audience laughing. It gives us such a high that, you know, I I one I 1,000% agree with that. I, <laughs> how, uh, House of Comedy, that, that, first, that first time we did House of Comedy, oh. and we had over 200 people in that room. Yeah. And I will never, ever, ever forget that night. That was one of the most. That was one of the most fun nights in my entire life, and it was that audience and their and their laughter and the energy that they gave all of us. I will never forget it. That was absolutely one of the most incredible experiences. That you sort of get to a point where you you sort of you sort of almost need that for yeah. for affirmation that what you're doing has meaning and value and. So personally, I don't think any of us walked out of that night without a, a feeling of great personal accomplishment. Right. Like, like just a personal little trophy that you can put on your mental trophy shelf. It's like, yeah, we did that. And it will never be duplicated again. And it was awesome. Your mental mantle. You missed, oh, you missed an opportunity. Oh, I did. <laughs> and see, look, the improv yeah. comedian comes but, up and uh, saves it. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, you'll never forget those those big moments, those no. big performances. I performed. Oh man, I just remember the. Uh, nah, never mind. <laughs> oh come on, you can't do no, that now. It's no. not that come interesting on, of a story. Just, no, just okay. do it anyway. Okay, because I just realized as I was about to tell this story that it's less a funny story and it's just going to come across as like a flex. But like, just go for it. <laughs> Who cares? I just remember performing at the American College Theater Festival. Okay, and I did a few, you know, scripted, practiced scenes, right? Um, but like they bring in people from all around the region for that festival. And yeah. so the first performance I did was to a sold out theater. There were like 500 people and they were all amped up. And it was like, I felt like I was like an athlete in a sports match. They were like <laughs> hooting and hollering cause they were enjoying it. And that's like, that was the most glorious moment I had felt until a few days later at the same festival. Um, I performed a scene in front of like 1700 people, which was like, insane i still find that like by yourself or with other people with a partner wow but um just now, wild now the first you said you you performed to 500 people and they yeah. were amped up was that by yourself that was with a partner as well okay, okay. all yeah. right and and were these comedy scenes or dramatic scenes um or both? so the first one was a comedy scene and then the second one i did a, a package of scenes so i did a comedic monologue and then a comedic scene and a dramatic scene wow 
Oh, that's really cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. But who, like, who would want that? Right. The reason I bring it up is just like those are moments that I'll never forget because yeah. like that relationship with the audience and just like the glory, man. I, if I could, I'd like to share my time when I was really funny. And was sure. My friend Nick's house and I was over serving myself and I was in the kitchen and I was just, I was on fire with the jokes, yeah. man. And it was, everybody was responding and yeah. it was great. I felt, and then my, my girlfriend, who's my wife right now, but my girlfriend came in the kitchen and she just looked at me and she goes, I'm leaving. <laughs> and then I looked around and I, I looked around and I go, should I go with you? And everybody goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized I was delusional. <laughs> uh. Man, I'm leaving. But yes. the feeling is the same. Yeah. Honestly, that's the thing. Whether you're cracking jokes in front of a, a kitchen full of people or you're performing in front of 1700, it's the same. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And that's why improv is helping me, you know, find that same joy over and over again. It's yeah. great. Yeah, I completely agree. There's, there's just nothing like it. And you sort of. It's like what what he's saying about about uh, what Jim is saying about the audience and what he experienced in front of the you know the five hundred people the seventeen hundred people whatever. It, it's really once you do that, you start to understand how uh, professional stars and athletes and whatnot where the addiction factor can come into where where it's like they've they've got to perform or they've got to do this or or they sort of lose themselves when they don't have it because yeah it is it is very much like a what i guess would imagine a drug high would be <laughs> uh it, it is no, no, it, it is a high because some, it, some people who are professional have a difficult time acknowledging retirement yeah yeah exactly right. and, and as yeah. how do you stop doing this right yeah yeah, and, yeah and, and when when unfortunately when stars and athletes get older and, and people start to pay less and less attention to them and and how depression can set in i i totally understand that now no I, I don't want to mention his name uh but there was a, a a person i knew that was in the nfl and he goes house it was he played in the nfl for 10 years and he goes to go to the supermarket and nobody cares was so mm. deflating to him after years of years of being the superstar on film and uh, on the field and mm -hmm. and doing all his accolades and everything right. and then just doing routine stuff. It was a big shock to him. It's like, well, right. welcome to my world. <laughs> Nobody yeah. cares what you do. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he goes to go anywhere. And they're like, well, you're retired. Nobody cares about you anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's why someone like Fred Willard was doing stuff until he died. Seriously. I mean, he was um, yeah. just last year. He was in a comedy sketch. No, on... he said his, I'm sorry. He said his name and I started laughing. <laughs> yeah. That's how funny he is. Right. And yeah. he was in this sketch on a comedy sketch show on Netflix. I think you should leave. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yep. It's great. And he was in a sketch there and it's like, that was shortly before he passed away, and he's just as brilliant as he was in something like Best in Show. I mean, he's hilarious. He's one of those that made himself laugh, too. Right. Totally. When he passed, well, we'll talk about this. Is, we can bookend our show on Fred Willard, but he was right. this one writer. I can't remember. I was on Twitter, and he goes, when I met Fred Willard, he came in the writing room, and he goes, I'll, I'll show you something I learned in Hollywood for the all my years. I'll teach you a trick. And he goes, here. He took his shoe off, and he goes, if I hit you with my shoe, you can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> nice that's great you know what you were saying about the nfl guy made yeah. me think of an of a similar experience uh 
it, if if everybody knows who Brian Dennehy is, uh, he and he oh. actually passed away recently. Also, yes, he did. Yeah. But he's he's a very very accomplished actor. Uh, not not necessarily known for comedy, but if you if you've seen Tommy Boy, he was mm-hmm. the father yeah. uh, in Tommy Boy, and he's of course been in a number of other things. He was in uh, the first uh, Rambo movie with Stallone, and that's how he broke out. At any rate. He was in town. He was doing some sort of uh, a live uh, performance, a stage performance of some kind. I forget what it was, but uh, at any rate, I was I was sitting with the promoter of that particular show. We were having coffee in downtown Minneapolis, and lo and behold, Brian Dennehy comes walking in the door to buy coffee, and and the promoter says, "Oh, speak of the devil!" He, he just walked in the door, and I turned around. And there's Brian Dennehy in, I can't remember if it was a Caribou or a Starbucks, but he's, he's standing there, larger than life, and, you know, I've been watching this guy on screen for, you know, 40 years. Yeah. And so he walks up to the counter and orders his coffee and then sits down. And, you know, the, the barista obviously didn't recognize him, the, the other customers in, in the place didn't recognize him, and I'm like... Do you not know who this is? This is like a legend that just bought coffee from you and is now sitting in this coffee shop and you're literally just rubbed elbows with him. And right. so, you know, and of course, I'm just a, well, I, I just <laughs> don't care because I like the guy. So I just walked right up to him and I, and I just told him, I said, I've been a fan of yours for years uh, from the FX days. And he looks at me and says, you remember those movies? I said, yes, I do. I love their movies. So I, you know, just, just chatted with him for a couple minutes, got his autograph, and um, went and saw him at the performance later that evening. And, yeah, it was just incredible. But, yeah, he, he walks into a coffee shop, and nobody nobody knows who he is, even though he's been in more movies than <laughs> – I, I could count. So and when I worked at the Saints and mm-hmm. Bill Murray is part owner, he could, mm, he, yeah. could, he would do that, and he would get away with it because he people. Would just walk in. It's a shock. I think people like your celebrity. You don't really think like you're not part of reality, right? And then you're real. Then you don't. It doesn't register in your brain, right? And I watched this as I worked at the Saints. How he he could just walk anywhere and people are like what 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 what, right? Or they're like. Hey, you look like Bill Murray. Yeah. Goes, really? Who's that? You know? I've heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Hawk has so many hilarious stories like that where it's like, you look kind of like Tony Hawk. And he's like, oh, do I? You know? It's like, I wonder why. That's weird. But he would, like, he would take tickets. Bill Murray would yeah, take tickets. And really? Would, and he, well, you don't look at the ticket taker. You don't. Right. You just hang because you are You want to get in. Here's my right. ticket. And then maybe once in a while people look at me and go, hey, are, you go, if I'm Bill Murray, would I be working this? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, that's, that's great. Fantastic. But it's, it's, it, that's, I, that's another reason why you would do tickets, because you never look at them. You never look at the ticket mm-hmm. taker, which is perfect for you. You never look at the usher either, too, because right. you're just like, oh, I'm trying to avoid that. It's almost like being in an elevator. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's your big, Jim, before we go, what's your big celebrity rush in? Oh, man. What do you mean? What, what, have you ever been into a celebrity? Have you been the celebrity? Because we talked about Brian Denny. Oh, and man. Have you ever, have you ever had an occurrence of running into somebody famous? Not really. Let me think about that. No? Honestly, uh, not yet, I'll say. One day I'll be, you know, starring alongside celebrities, you know, when I am one. They're trying to avoid you because, but... you know, they're going to steal them. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't really have a cool celebrity story, unfortunately. I guess the only one that comes to mind is um i uh i met a 
local rapper P.O.D. because his uh, son was in my class. <laughs> and, and, he's, be, yeah. and he's great, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I can think of. Okay. Well, uh, that's the end of the show. Guys, thanks for coming on. Nathan, Jim, uh, eventually, uh, before we go, uh, mention again what uh, the, the, the group and how the people can find you. Well, please check us out. We would love to have your support. Five swipes left. Five is the number five. Swipes left. We're on Facebook. Probably soon to be elsewhere, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. But for right now, the obligatory Facebook page is where you can find us. And our first live show is Saturday, August 1st, Burnsville Amphitheater Civic Center Park. Burnsville, 7 o'clock. It's free, free, free. And bring a mask, bring a lawn chair. If you're a celebrity, please show. So if Jim you're a has a story. Yes, come. yes. I want Bill to be Murray, a celebrity. We would love I feel to have left you. out. Yes, yes, absolutely. Please come and uh, or or dress dress like your favorite celebrity, uh, and then we'll yeah. come up to you and go, "Aren't you, you know, whoever?" And and you can say yeah. And you can and say we'll, yeah, and, yeah. And we'll 100% buy it. We'll do a, an improv scene right around you. I love it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we would love to see you Saturday, August 1st, Burnsville Amphitheater, 7 o'clock. And yeah, please support support local anything. It doesn't even have to be us. Local film, local, it should be us. local music, <laughs> local it, artists. Yeah. It matters. <laughs> but yeah, no, everyone really. Local stuff is very, very important. I mean, it all intertwines. We're all filmmakers. Merritt was a musician. Like, yeah, all local artists. Yep, Connor's, a, Connor's a filmmaker. It, Benjamin yeah. Manthe is an actor. Just got cast in a, in a feature that's being made locally. Right. So, yeah. All that local stuff needs the support, though. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's what it lives off of. All Indeed. right. Uh, as you guys know, it's not over to the guests say it's over. Ooh. So we can stay? No, just kidding. Um, so, yeah. I'll have a steak, medium rare, <laughs> side of asparagus. Yeah, yeah okay. So. Well, so we just say it's over. There you go. <laughs>